Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and joining me on the call to talk about the Forbes India philanthropy special is Varsha Meghani. Hi Varsha. Hi Abhishek. Let's dive straight into the note that you have uh, in your cover story and I quote uh, from your article which I thought was a uh, was a refreshing trend. It says instead of just building toilets new philanthropists also worry about changing attitudes and behavior so that people actually use them or rather than just setting up a school they are also looking at education outcomes how is philanthropy changing in india if you could uh, do a before versus current comparison sure india is in the middle of one of the largest wealth trans- wealth transfers in history around 128 billion dollars will be transferred from one generation to the next over the next decade and much of this wealth has already been and will continue to be directed towards philanthropy the reason for that is because the young generation that is inheriting this wealth is socially conscious it's kind of built into their dna from conversations that i've had with experts in the field so as a result they're taking to philanthropy much younger unlike their parents or grandparents who you know who first made their money and then at you know when they were 50 or 60 decided to turn to philanthropy and another key difference you mentioned the example from the story the difference with this generation is that they they are driven by strategy and impact rather than recognition or obligation as was often the case earlier on so you know they're not just happy to build a school and have their name put on a plaque outside the school they're also interested in you know uh, improving education outcomes and they're happy to roll up their sleeves and sit with the teachers to kind of understand how that can happen and how they can make that happen or they don't just want to build toilets but they want to work with the communities to change behaviors change attitudes change mindsets so that people actually use those toilets right and in that uh, vein technology is helping a great deal uh, over the years to serve those who are underprivileged for example you write about an initiative by JSW foundation they've uh, built an android app which monitors health of kids under the age of 6 uh, in a village near mumbai where malnutrition rates you write were as high as 54% how did that work so parth jindal who is the sign of uh, jsw and you know runs the cement business of the conglomerate he spent a considerable amount of time in palghar where the jsw foundation which um, his mother heads up had been working for a number of years and they had been working with the government to improve child malnutrition rates over there uh, you know as you pointed out the rates were as high as 54% up until 2014 and that's one of the worst instances of malnutrition in the country despite spending heavily on health and food relief programs the authorities and and the foundation itself was just making a dent in the problem one of the reasons for that was uh, because the data that was being collected by the authorities in physical registers uh, was inaccurate so to kind of overcome that he you know along with the foundation he developed an android based app to monitor the development indicators of children in the area uh, they trained local women to use that app in other words these these workers the local women that you spoke about they would be feeding in some basic information that will help doctors to connect the dots uh, so will it, are these multiple choice questions because when it comes down to the grassroots user friendliness of any apps is is the, of prime importance so how did they pull that off yes absolutely so so it's a basic uh, app which they can use on their mobile phones where they key in uh, you know the weight the height the bmi etc of the child uh, they iris scan the mother as well as the child so you know the data is um, accurate 
all this data is then sent to doctors who may not be physically present in the village, may or may not be, and then uh, it helps them make certain decisions. Yes, absolutely. So if there's a problem with any of the any of the children, they are immediately notified and then follow up action is taken immediately. And as a result of this, malnutrition rates have fallen by 92 percent in the three areas of Palghar that JSW works in. So the, the change has been measurable and dramatic. That's one thing with uh, the mobile phone connectivity in countries like India and Africa. Recently, I had read about uh, UNICEF, I think it was, which wanted to find out the impact of one of their programs on the ground in Liberia. Mm-hmm. Now, what they did was instead of sending researchers with questionnaires, they uh, installed a chatbot in the kids' mobile phones because everybody there has a mobile phone. And uh, the responses to the questions told them, that is UNICEF, that these kids were coerced into uh, some activities for getting higher grades. And that's why they were passing from one grade to the next. In other words, the kids were being forced into uh, sex and other illicit activities in exchange of good grades. So in the end, while on paper, uh, kids were being promoted from one class to the next, they were, weren't actually, you know, being educated, as, you know, as such. So to, right. in one go within a three month time frame. Uh, technology has a reputation to make such a big impact. And uh, similarly, you've written about M. Mitra, where uh, Closer Home in Mumbai, is that right? Where yes. it provides uh, information to uh, pregnant and lactating women at a time that suits them in the day so that they can rear their offsprings better. Yes. M. Mitra, you know, like you said, is a free mobile voice call service that women from lesser privileged communities can access um, that provides information on preventive care to pregnant and lactating women. And and how this works is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that there will be um, a, a physical person on one side of the call from M. Mitra who calls up these individual women and tells them what are the various checkboxes that they need to tick to make sure that their kids are given vaccination at the right time or nutrition or what? how are they supposed to be fed? Is that how it is? How, how does the actual mechanics work? Sure. So so it's actually a pre-recorded uh, voice call service. So how it works is that uh, ladies from Arman go door to door within communities and register, you know, pregnant or lactating women onto their service, get their mobile numbers. Once their mobile numbers are got and the women choose at what time of the day they want to receive the calls based on their availability and convenience. At that time of the day, they'll receive a call from M. Mitra and uh, based on which month they are in their pregnancy or they will receive a call. So if they're three months pregnant, they will receive a call based on what action they need to take for themselves and for their children. Uh, Isn't it the basics? In other words, access of information itself can save lives or even enrich them. This is a simple matter of telling a mother what is best for her child in the making when the mother is pregnant. So this is a basic, but access to information can be such a game changer when these women might not have the wherewithal to you know, access the internet or seek that kind of information, or maybe they might be illiterate in the first place. Absolutely. In fact, I met one of the beneficiaries of uh, M. Mitra, and um, she, she used the service for her third child. And she says that, you know, there's a stark difference between her older two children where she you know wasn't able to access the service and her third child where, you know, the third one is a lot more active, has stronger immunity and she's just a lot happier as a result of, you know, being able to use that service and access that information. Right. 
Excellent. Uh, Vasha, in the interest of time, could you uh, let our listeners into some of the highlights of this issue? Whom, whom do you cover in this package? Sure. So we have uh, some interesting stories. There's uh, one on crowdfunding by my colleague Divya Shekhar, who writes about how teenagers are increasingly turning to crowdfunding to support the causes they care about. And this practice is actually bringing people closer to everyday philanthropy. You know, one of the examples she uses is uh, of a 17-year-old student in Delhi um, who started experimenting with wearable technology after his friend uh, was hearing impaired and, and he dropped out of school because everyday communication became a problem. So he experimented with various designs, built prototypes, and uh, finally came up with what he calls transcribe which is a, a smart glass that converts speech to text. Uh, and he raised 2.75 lakhs through a crowdfunding site to upgrade the innovation, which, uh, which he now plans to make available across schools and colleges at a nominal rate. There's another story on uh, uh, Social Alpha, which is an incubator set up by the Tata Trust that is creating an ecosystem to help social entrepreneurs find funding and markets. So, so, you know, unlike a regular VC, Social Alpha's focus is more philanthropic. So their priority is to fund or support for-profit or not-for-profit organizations where the priority is social impact, followed by financial sustainability and then scale. And uh, finally, we have another story on a Bangalore-based couple by, um, you know, my colleague Pankti Mehta Karakya. This couple quit their corporate job, sold their home. And they've been on the road driving in, in India's hinterland, staying with tribal communities to understand their problems ground up and find solutions to their problems. It's an interesting package. And one big takeaway is that once upon a time, there used to be a criticism. Some of it might be true even today is that many companies pledge 2% of their net profits because the government mandates them to. And then there is scamper in the last month to, uh, you know, either just write a check or donate it to a chief minister fund because it's compulsory. But there are certain outfits, uh, startups, and also incubators that you spoke about who are doing work uh, which is beyond just donating money, but time and also measuring the impact. So I mm -hmm. think this, this is an interesting one. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Avishek. Thanks a lot. And all you listeners, you can, as usual, get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.